All right, so we're going to continue our traditional October special with the film directed by Karen Kuzma because we're talking movies, we're talking The Invitation. Chris, I'm so glad you're here. We have a lot to talk about. So much to say tonight. All I want is some of that good coke you used to do. everybody and welcome to this week's episode of how'd you like that movie tonight is our second episode in our halloween hot ghouls of halloween special uh we're going to be doing director karen kuzma uh she's got some horror some thriller a little bit of action uh so yeah scott take it away all right um i'm i'm glad you have halloween twice in our titles here um that's how much i like halloween double time baby double the trouble (laughs) All right. So in terms of the invitation, um, I just want to say something first. I do think there should be a rule in which a movie has to be out for a minimum of 20 years before they can reuse the title of a film. And yeah, I'm looking at you 2022's The Invitation. (laughs) Which is what? Is Is it out? It's out in theater right now, right? Yeah, as, it's as out a in theater now. Yes. Yeah. So we yeah, are not we are not talking about the 2022. We are talking about the 2015 film, The Invitation. Yeah. Like, come on, man. Like six years, you couldn't come up with another title. But in terms of and, and especially film, hold on, and especially because like it's not like it has to be that title because it's so you know, uh, important to the plot. Like you could have everything still happening, call it friends with dinner. Like you, you could literally call it whatever the fuck you want. Right. Like passing or whatever. Sure. I haven't watched the 2022 invitation, so I have no idea what the plot is, but, (laughs) um, in terms of this film, so the 2015 one, I believe this film should be studied. It's, a master class for creating an amazing film. And now that's the end of our podcast because I will not allow Chris to besmirch this film because I don't want to hear it. Really? Oh, wow. So you liked it that much, eh? I think this is a master class, like in terms of tone, mm-hmm. in terms of like claustrophobia, like even the acting was amazing. And the way this film like this film in the minute it was done i already i already had my opinions that in terms of chris because chris hates (laughs) a slow burn film and this is because i have zero patience (laughs) but that's the thing like the way they they do the slow burn it's it is amazing to watch because you you technically are like you are engulfed into the main character in which when he starts feeling his anxiety and he starts feeling his um like paranoia oh and God. stuff like that yeah everything like, you're there too because you're you're like going in you're like okay this is a horror movie right like you you know it's a horror movie but like when everything is a faint and every when you think something's about to happen it doesn't happen um and then like spoilers like 
everything only happens in the last 10 minutes of this movie. So they build it, they build it so much that by the time, you know, the shit goes on, you think it's just going to be another faint. And then it happens and you're like, holy fuck. And then you're just watching this like high anxiety, like just high tension film, just like fucking go. And I think in terms of endings, I think it's one of the scariest endings I've ever seen. Are you also talking about like, cause there's the ending and then there's the like, final final reveal the final shot yeah, yeah and you're when like you, when, they real, <laughs> when you realize it right and like because you're you're always on the the pov of the main character uh so you'll once the camera turns and you see what they're seeing because you see their shock and horror and you're just looking at like these hollywood hills and and that reveal you're like holy shit right yeah, I mean, so first off, I I, I don't I don't I think this movie is beautifully shot. Like the cinematography in this is is fantastic. Uh, the editing, as far as like shot choice and camera angle choice and transitions, are are great. Um, it's uh, it's a you know I I actually have an issue with the slow burn. I can't decide for myself if it just needs just a little bit of tweaking or. It almost needs that excessive slow burn because it makes that reveal. Because once once the action kicks off, it's fucking like super dynamic. Like bam, 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 bam. So it's almost like that overtly slow, slow, slow pace. And it's not that things aren't happening. It's because there's a lot of dialogue. Oh, and it's like it almost needs to be that slow. For you to be lulled into the sense of, like, um, safety, right? Like, you're almost like, oh, okay, like, maybe I totally have this wrong. And then it, it that jarring, and, and in a good way, like, pivot. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, um, I think, uh, you know, Logan Marshall Green, who plays the main actor, you know, the father of the xenomorph. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah, 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 from Prometheus. Yeah. You know, when you when you can't have Tom Hardy, you get Logan. That's Mercury. right. That's he's like your discount Tom Hardy, and with a one million dollar budget, uh, and we're going to talk a bit about budget uh, later on. Uh, you're going to have to get the discount uh, Tom Hardy, right? So, but uh, even still, like he his performance, like was top notch. Like he, like he brought in, like you feel for him, and even like the way um Karen Kuzma like even that opening scene when they're just driving and then it like pivots to or it like goes up and you just see the trees while it's doing like the you know title cards yeah yeah almost like the shining right yeah and the, but then the trees like when it's going to the trees it, it seems like she i don't know if the editor or her made the choice but it looks like it they did it like kind of like in slow motion. So it just makes the, them passing the trees, like even more eerie kind of thing. hundred percent. Um, but, and then you have the, the scene with the, um, the, uh, the deer too. Cause you're like, Holy, like he's doing it. And then once, once you get in into like this dinner uh, with the friends that 
pretty much basic premise is Logan Marsha Green and his girlfriend is invited to his ex-wife and her new boyfriend's um, dinner party they're having and no one's seen them um, for two years. And they're just, you know, trying to get everybody together and they had some trauma in which they had a son that tragically died and that's kind of what caused the rip and he he has never been able to let go of his grief and he technically the minute somebody gets close which is kind of revealed through the dialogue you're saying um he kind of pushes him away because he never wants to feel the loss again like he he did for his kid and then they end up living in his old house so that alone I think that as a sub not a subplot but like added tension is you see him with his paranoia because he's constantly reminded of his child there like every room he's going into he he, they do pretty good um, edits and when you're going back in time to kind of revisit but you don't find out how the kid dies until what what, the last half an hour too right Mm mm-hmm because they they hold that like they don't like they're very good at keeping everything close to the vest right and then just building because you you keep on thinking it's going to be something worse something worse something worse and then you find out what it was and you're like not what i was expecting yeah and so and because of the flashbacks this is where i think the acting proudness of uh logan marshall green comes out is that so in the flashbacks, he's like happy and, and he's like, you know, there's no tension. It's the exact opposite, right? Everything is perfect. He has this like almost uh, idyllic life. And then in the present, he has to shift between like 100% sure he knows what's going on to questioning himself, remorse, grief, and all of this and anger and all of these emotions are playing out at different points in the film. And he does it. And again, like the acting in this is definitely a master masterclass in acting. Uh, he actually got not, he, he's a two time Fangoria chainsaw award nominee. Uh, the other one. So one was for this and one was for the film upgrade. Uh, but it's Tam- amazing. If you haven't seen that. Oh, is it, is it good? Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. Um, and go ahead. Oh, I was going to say the one, um, actor, uh, John Carroll Lynch who plays, Pruitt. oh yeah he's so good um, man he's good in everything he's he does, one too. of my favorite character actors right like if you watch american horror story like he he comes in and out of that series a lot he's he was in, in the chicago the, what is it chicago seven or chicago eight the one about yes. uh the civil rights movement yeah he was in that one he was also in um i think big sky is the yep. show he's on now but yeah like even him, like when he does his fucking like monologue when they have that game where it's like I wanna say thank you or I wanna reveal or what my, do I something. want? What 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 yeah. do you want? And he's like, I, I wanna talk about my wife. Yeah. And then like it just gets because very he was very like I guess you could say monotone in that where but it just made it like scarier and scarier too because, when yeah, he's because, talking. Because the subject matter of what he's saying does not match the still and calm. And you're right, like monotone, almost just like matter of fact and blah, blah, blah and blah, blah, blah. But and the and the actors around him playing the guests are responding to this gruesome stuff that he's saying. And he's just 
chill as a fucking cucumber, which makes it super eerie, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think this is such a good example of why a good script and good acting are important, no matter what genre you're working in. Because so you got Logan Marshall Green and you got Tam- uh, Tammy uh, Bouchard who plays Eden. Uh, she's like a multi, she's a Grammy nominated and Tony nominated actor. She was in the good shepherd, Moneyball, blue Jasmine into the woods, a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Uh, like I said, she's on, she was on Broadway for gypsy and the Iceman cometh. Like th- she is a very, very, very capable actor. And again, cause she has to also move between like this almost like fake peace, happiness and stuff. And then like breaking down and then of course in the, in the final, you know, the remorse of like what's happened. Uh, and then also uh, Michael, is it Michael uh, Heisman or Hoosman? David, who plays David, who's creepy as fuck. Uh, and he yeah, was in the Young Victoria in World he, War Z. I know Z. from uh, Haunting of Bly, or not Haunting of Bly, Haunting of Hill House. He played Steve, who played the oldest son And that, which that's a good show too, especially for this season. <coughs> but yeah and that was the thing like the um, the one scene that like i wouldn't say was scary but i thought it was super fucking well done especially when you get to the end um is the scene when you know they're discussing how they hit that deer right mm. and then they say like oh and then they're like what did you do and he was like oh he you know we we had to kill it and they're like how did you kill it and he goes with a tire iron and then that scene yeah, was that, h- hardcore man yeah and then david's like oh he's like yeah you had to put them out of their misery right and then once you get to the end and realizing what they're trying to do too mm-hmm. is technically putting all these people that you know have that are that can't get over their trauma trying to put them out of their miseries so they can move on it just makes it like that was him trying to connect it and the the scariest line not the scariest line but one of the best lines too is when david goes to um to logan marshall green's character and said we chose you to come here right like they literally if you think about like back end they literally went through a list of eden's friends being like we need to take like this person needs to come out like Mm -hmm. knowing what the end result was going to be so again back to the the pacing and stuff like that so the uh abby garner of the village voice says the build-up stretches longer than it should but the payoff comes with a satisfying bang and again, I'm, I am conflicted. Normally, I would just be like, this is fucking too long. You got to cut this thing up a bit, blah, blah, blah. Uh, it, does, it does feel long. But if you are going to take a recommendation, I'm assuming, Scott, you recommend watching this. I, I definitely Oh, yeah, 100%. Is just, just understand you, you, you need to be in that space and, and, and wait. Wait. You're going to feel like, oh, my God, this thing is, is, is way too long. And it's not. It's only 100 minutes. Just just give it an extra 10 minutes. The payoff is worth it. I mean... Yeah, but in terms of pacing, too, I think the um, the good part that they do with, with that is they sprinkle in these feints where he thinks something's going on and he tries to confront them on it. And, you know, they're just trying to ease his paranoia. And then it goes to the next thing that he like he kind of fixates on right like the first one was the the guest the other guest the the woman 
that he saw naked in the room leaving David's room and then she comes in he's kind of fixated on her and then it's fixated on the camera and then uh not the camera sorry the computer because they show that crazy video of the woman dying and then but like it is a slow burn but the way it they represented it and edited it which i'm sure you can say this is a very well edited movie because it helps build the atmosphere is that at no point did i ever look at my watch or hit the button on the screen to see how much uh time is in left in this movie because it literally just engulfed me into it like did you ever look to see like is this almost done uh, well, again, no, but I definitely felt like at points I was like, oh, is, did I just waste a bunch of time? Did I just pick a bad movie because, or did we pick a bad movie? Because you, you, it's also because they keep feigning, right? So you keep thinking like, I thought it was going this way. It's not going this way. This film is like, you just think that you're not going to get a payoff. Like it, it definitely makes you feel like, oh, maybe like, maybe this is all just in, every, in his head. And then you yeah, get a but payoff. That's the thing. If that's the payoff. Even that would have worked at the end too, right? Yeah, but what I'm saying is, well, no, <laughs> no. Like, if you, if you if it just ends up being like a bunch of bullshit, like, sure, great, like you were able to like bait and switch people for a bit, but the way they finish out this film, it is like it was worth it. It was definitely worth being in it. Um, the cinematography is fantastic. I so even like if you're a, like someone who's into cinematography or you're like a, a film student or something like that, you you definitely need to watch this film because. It does all kinds of great camera work, including like using like some really interesting mirror shots. Um, it's a good example of how to shoot a crowd, both like when they're kind of with, I think they're around a fireplace and then when they're around dinner. And like, mm -hmm. again, also on the topic of editing, when to move between different people talking, you know, whether to use a POV or an over the shoulder shot. Uh, the DOP is Bobby Shore. He's from Montreal. And we we kind of make fun of the fact that like it seems like everybody in Canada somehow has to do something with Anne of Green Gables. So Bobby actually has two relations to Anne of Green Gables. Uh, so he he's one of the cinematographers that works on Anne with an E. Uh, and if you're a Canadian, you'll you'll understand this next comment. He also shot a Canadian Heritage Minute moment, which we all know <laughs> of up here. And specifically, it was Lucy Mont Montgomery's heritage moment, the author of Anna Green Gables. So way to go, Bobby. Uh, you're like the ultimate in uh, Anna Green Gables filmography or association or whatever. Uh, and he's been he's been nominated for multiple Canadian Screen Awards for cinematography. He uh, is the cinematographer on Goon, uh, which I mean, from a cinematic perspective, it's it's fine. It's a very fun movie. Uh, and he also did uh, Stuber, which I believe was shot up here as well. Is that the goal? Should we, should we like try to get our own heritage minute one day? I hope so. I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> uh, but I do want to, you know, talk a little bit about the director. I mean, that is why we picked her. So she did Girl Fight, which is a fantastic like indie boxing film. Then she went on and did Aeon Flux, which had all that criticism uh, because of casting. And uh, we're not going to really get too much into that here. But then she did Jennifer's Body. Uh, and I may have those out of order. But she, one of the films she's really known for is Jennifer's Body, which, again, when it was released, because it's basically just like was pit, is marketed as like hot Megan Fox. 
is actually a much more complex film. And Scott, you actually did some background on Jennifer's body for the show, right? I I did do do some. Yeah, I like this film is now a cult classic. Mm-hmm. Um, it, like you said, it did poorly in the box office. And in terms of well, it originally, the, but I think it's it, it, I think it was shot for what sixteen, and it's made thirty two million or something like that. Yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. like over like, like with video on demand and everything else, right? So yes, yeah, but yeah, when it came out, like exactly, like it was early marketed. Um, I would say, like in terms of the like it, it like you said, it is highly en- entertaining, and some the thing that makes this movie work so well is. One, it's fucking written amazingly, and the dialogue is amazing. And obviously, that's uh, due to Diablo Cody, who, if you don't know who she is, she is an amazing script writer. And all like a lot of her movies are in this vein, not in the horror vein. They she does a lot of different genres, but they all become cult classics. Like they all become like cult films that people rewatch like over and over again. Uh, in terms of her, she has the one Juno. She has Tully. Um, she has oh my god. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not wearing my glasses, man. I gotta now put my glasses. Hey, on. I'm, I'm gonna, gonna go I'm old. gonna write myself I'm some old. notes for my show, and uh, I'm not gonna have my glasses on so I can read said notes. Yeah, whatever. but I wasn't. I didn't. I didn't do her whole filmography of every fucking movie she wrote. Um. Uh, so, and Jennifer's body, also some can can, as Scott likes to call it, was a, a a large portion of it was shot in Burnaby, BC, British Columbia. Now, I will say, I will say this because we're talking can can. Um, there is a, a film that's 100% can can that came out in 2000 and it's called Ginger Snaps, which I would probably because the general plot is the same, I would I find I do find that Ginger Slaps Ginger Snaps is a more superior film to Jennifer's Body. Really? Uh, oh, that's oh, yeah. an interesting, that's an interesting take. How, how have you I seen just think Ginger it's Snaps? Yeah, I have seen Ginger Snaps. Uh, I haven't seen it in a long time, but I, that'll be in, that's an interesting comparison. I do agree with you that there is that similar storyline vein uh, with your your main characters and stuff like that. So yeah, and so, like and so, you you still have like the sisterhood, and um, you know turning the into one. monsters and exactly coming of age, and, like, and womanhood. They're and both thing. they're both called classes, and they're they're both highly. Um, like I don't want to say like feminist feminist films like I as, I would say they both are feminist films yeah but I I don't want to make it sound like like it's something bad like they are very like you know yeah they're female focused right like they're and they're female lensed yeah and, and they they have a lot of uh, strong female protagonists on that like no one's a damsel in distress in this one from you know the monster to the to the hero um they all like there there's no mansplaining unless chris wrote it then there'd be <laughs> lots of mansplaining <laughs> uh okay so karen and i didn't get a chance to find the short uh she also contributed to uh there's a female horror analogy called uh like double x like two x chromosomes um mm-hmm. and her con- contribution was called her only living son so it's a short i'm sure you could find that online uh she's also 
the director of the pilot for Yellow Jackets, which, uh, you know, super is, creepy, too. Yeah, yeah, super creepy. And she's an executive producer on it. So, uh, yeah, I think she's she's a fantastic director. Uh, I would actually like to see her do more kind of indie stuff, man, because it looks so good. And I understand that's a cinematographer, but I mean, like she's good at directing story. Uh, the fact, like I said, the fact that she can lay out in the invitation, this kind of like really slow burn, which was written by her husband. <laughs> uh, and he, he, he has worked on some other films that she is the director on as well. Uh, there's the one with Nicole Kidman. And I think he actually wrote the treatment or the screenplay for Aeon Flux. Right. So. I don't know. Um, but yeah, the Nicole Kidman one's Destroyer. Um, That's right. If yeah, yeah, yeah. If you haven't seen that, that one, that one too is like highly like edge of your seat as well. But um, yeah, I would say like she is like especially rewatching all this the stuff. She is like a director or creator that I kind of do want to follow more because I am interested in in what else she can do because. So far to me, she can do no wrong. I do like Eon Flux, so we'll just leave it at that. So like just as a film, like it you it was not yeah, bad. Yeah. Like it's, other it's than the controversy. Fun. Yeah, it's like one hundred percent fun popcorn film, right? So and that's my bread and butter. That's it. You got nothing else to say. Neither do you. I'm fucking watching you, like on your phone. Yeah, I'm looking up to see if that if i was right about the screen yeah so phil hay is her husband he was the screenwriter on the invitation aeon flux and the destroyer or destroyer so that's that's why i'm on my phone because i wanted to make sure my information was correct uh not just now, shooting do you from think... the fucking hips like you i'll say this in terms of the invitation though and then we can end it like this can be a series man how like... <laughs> How 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 much longer do you need to spend with these people? For... But just think about it. Oh, each, I know how. Each yes, household. Yes, yes, yes. Just stop there. Happened, stop there right? because you're gonna like throw away some of the uh, the. You're gonna spoil some stuff. Yes, but you watch it and then let us know if you think it could be a series because I actually do agree with Scott on this. Um, so it's funny though because like we look at the casting. The casting at the time was like none of these were really big actors. None of them I've really actually gone on to be super super huge i mean there's they're definitely capable um but people that were originally supposed to be in the film uh were luke wilson zachary quinto topher grace and johnny galecki uh and that was when they were casting in 2012 and by the time they actually went into production they had just totally revamped the whole script uh and one of the producers on here is david lynch's daughter which i thought was an interesting uh interesting thing yeah and uh, yeah, it's got an 89% from the critics. It's got a 69, 69 from the audience. Uh, did not do fantastic at the box office. Well, uh, it wasn't really released that long in the box office. It was like a limited release. It, it was pretty much, a, I think, Draft House picked them up. Yep. Just threw them in just to get some, hopefully some awards. And then, yeah, it went straight to VOD. Yeah. I mean, it had a million dollar budget, which as we know in like movie, movie land, that's not a lot of money. Uh, and yeah, it went to South by South by Southwest and draft House picked it up. And um, I, I, I wish it was easier to get internal numbers on like video on demand or DVD or that type of stuff, because I can't imagine this film has not made that million dollars back. 
And that is our wrap for the day. Please like and subscribe to this podcast. Tell your friends. If you want to get a hold of us, reach us at the www.howdyoulikethatmovie.com. Continuing our traditional October special with a look up two films that were directed by Karen Kuzma. Because we're talking movies, we're talking Jennifer's Body and The Invitation. Hold on, cut, 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 cut. No, Scott, we, we're doing one movie. I just asked you to. So you oh, can talk. Seriously? Yes. I'm just, I just wanted you to review Jennifer's Body because it is a horror film. And it's the same director and stuff like that. So you can you can talk all you want, but I don't have a ton of background on, on Jennifer's body. So I just wanted to stop it right there before this thing got out of control. Fuck. My whole, all my notes are a mix of both. That's good. That's fine. I mean, <laughs> I, I've got tons of notes right. on the invitation and you can just jump in there about Jennifer's body. And, and I mean, you're a horror guy. You just, it'll look like you did more research than me, which is, which, what, it is, which is what you did. So uh, can we take that from the top, please? Scott, you let us know when you're ready because now you have to like redo your whole intro. Yeah, like Scott, you still there? All right, I guess uh, we lost. Scott. No, oh, I can you hear me. I can. I can see you. Yeah, but you I, you're the one that went blank, not me. Okay, so we're we're gonna end the show. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Okay. Production by Rod Shaver, Vader Monkey Productions.